Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Hello, Freedom House. I wanna welcome you guys today on behalf of our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. Um, I know what you're thinking. The, the pastor in the thing earlier had hair. I am not Pastor Troy. Um, I know I look just like him, don't I? But um, been working out, you know, try, I'm trying, you know, it's, it's a work, I'm a work in progress. But um, we have a teaching team here at Freedom House. Maybe you're new here. Um, something great about our church, our pastors have a vision to enable leaders and inspire and empower leaders. And so we have a team of speakers. So our pastor, Pastor Troy, uh, Pastor Penny, there at our other campuses today, bringing the word of God. And uh, we're excited that you're here. I want to welcome those that are online today. Um, we also have people all over the world even. We have people in North Carolina, Georgia, New York, Virginia, South Carolina, California, Nevada, Ohio, Tennessee, Texas, D.C., Minnesota, and even in Germany, we have people joining us. So thank you. Thank you very much uh, for taking uh, a few moments on your Sunday, and I believe you will not regret it today. We're in an amazing series called Without a Doubt. Everybody say, Without a Doubt. We want you to leave today and understand how to combat the doubts that are going to attack you, that are going to come against you. And if you're a human being, you have suffered with doubts. Doubts attack us all. They come after me. They come after you. Um, I mean, doubts are something we're all going to struggle with from time to time in our lives. And so this series, without a doubt, is all about that. And, you know, I believe that we as people, we experience doubts in lots of different areas of our life. Maybe for you, it's been physical healing. Maybe even struggling with a sickness or a, or a disease or something that has went on and on and you begin to, to, to have doubt there. Am I ever going to be well again? Am I ever going to feel good again? Maybe it's been financial. Maybe you've been going through some financial struggle in your life. And you know, when the, when the finances are tight for a while, you begin to doubt. Am I ever going to see freedom in this area? Uh, maybe it's relational. Maybe it's spiritual. I believe a lot of times the worst doubts are those inner doubts, those spiritual doubts. I've had many people ask me before over the years, you know, man, I doubt my own faith. I doubt, am I really saved? Do I really have a relationship with God? Does God really love me? Sometimes those are the worst doubts. But I believe that doubt is created when our reality doesn't match up with our expectations. Doubt is created when the reality we see around us doesn't line up with what we expected to happen. So how does that play out? Well, think about it real quick in the area of people. In the area of people. When someone lets you down, when, when someone does something that kind of breaks that trust, they do something you didn't expect or maybe you expected them to do something and they didn't, what happens? You begin to doubt that relationship. Too many times when we begin to doubt the relationships in our life, we begin to build our own reality based on our assumptions. We start thinking that they're plotting or they're against us or they're doing this and they're doing that. Even if we don't know they are because we've got those seeds of doubt sown into that relationship. What about our circumstances? All of us deal with circumstances sometimes that aren't the best. Maybe in an area of your life the circumstances don't look good and when the circumstances don't line up with what we expected them to be, 
we begin to doubt. We begin to doubt. We begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt our entire worldview, how we see the world. Maybe you were brought up in a Christian home. Maybe you were brought up a certain way, and then life kind of got away from you, and the circumstances are bad, and you begin to doubt, is all this stuff I've been taught true? Is the Bible true? Is everything I've been raised to believe true? We begin to doubt. What about success? I'm probably not the only person in here that hasn't wanted everything I've ever done, right? Sometimes we, we try, we try, but then we fall short. And when we don't experience the level of success that we were hoping for in life, we can begin to doubt ourselves. Maybe that's where you are today. You're doubting yourself. Maybe because of things that have gone on in your life or failures you've had, you doubt yourself and you doubt that God could even love you. And that's how doubt creeps into our life. But I want to help you, I want to arm you today with some things that will help you fight against this doubt in your life. And we've actually done a lot of work as a church to build, to do something special. This took a lot of work. And out in the lobbies today, when you leave after service, we've got some clipboards we're going to ask you to sign up. If you're interested, this is a special program here only. It's exclusive to Freedom House Church. Um, and you can sign up after service today. But we've actually arranged that Jesus Christ himself in the flesh... If you're willing, if you're, if you're interested in this, he'll actually come down to earth and he will spend a week with you. That sound okay? Um, you can sign up um, today. And I'm not talking about in the spirit. I'm not saying that you're going to feel Jesus. I mean, you're going to physically see with your eyes the man. Jesus Christ is going to come down. He's going to go home with you tonight. He's going to tuck you into bed. When you wake up tomorrow and you're eating your Cheerios, Jesus is going to be there with you. He's going to have breakfast with you. He's going to get in the car with you. He's going to go to work. He's going to be in every meeting with you tomorrow at work. He's going to come home. He's going to help your kids with their homework. I mean, Jesus himself is going to help your kids do their homework. Their GPA will probably go up, right? And they'll probably get a little smarter. Jesus himself was there. If you could sign up, now if that was real, and you could really sign up today, and Jesus himself, the man in the flesh, he could come down from heaven in the flesh, and he could spend the next seven days with you. Do you think you would struggle with any doubt? Do you think you would be able to operate in a level of faith that you never have before? If Jesus himself was sitting there in the car with you, you probably wouldn't road rage as much either. <laughs> Just saying. But doubt probably wouldn't be a big problem for you, would it? Wouldn't be a big deal to believe God for healing when the healer is in the car. It probably wouldn't be a big deal to believe God for some extra finances when Jesus can just go down and get a fish out of the water and put a coin out of his mouth, right? When you've got the man, when you've got Jesus, the son of the living God, right beside you, doubt, probably not a big deal, would it? Can I tell you something? Wouldn't change a thing. Wouldn't change a thing. You know how I know that? Because the disciples walked with Jesus, the disciples talked with Jesus. The disciples went to bed at night right next to Jesus. They got up in the morning. They had their coffee with Jesus. The disciples went about every day walking, talking, operating, doing everything with Jesus. And guess what? The disciples still had doubt. Even with Jesus right beside them. I mean, they saw him walk on the water, but yet they still struggled with doubt and unbelief. So even if Jesus was here, even if Jesus spent the next week with you, you would still have to struggle with doubt. 
And there's a story in the Bible that I'm going to show you today that I think will unpack and take, kind of reveal, take the cover off of a spiritual principle that will enable you to grow in an area of faith where you never have before. Sometimes we can't grow in our faith because we think that way. We think, well, I just need God to give me a sign. I just need, if Jesus was here, then I wouldn't struggle. But we're going to see that's not true. Turn with me real quick. This is Matthew chapter 7, or 17, excuse me. We're going to read verses 14 through 20. And this is a great story about Jesus and the disciples. And we're going to learn a few really, really powerful things today in this story. So starting in verse 14, it says, And when they came to the crowd, and it's important you notice it says, the crowd, because we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Sometimes we care more about what other people think about us than we do about what God thinks about us. Sometimes we pay more attention to the opinions of people than we do the word and will of God. And so when they came to the crowd, a man came up to him. This is Jesus. The man came up to Jesus, kneeling before him and said, Lord, Have mercy on my son, for he has seizures and he suffers terribly. For often he falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples. I brought him to your guys, Jesus. I brought him to the church. And they could not heal him. The disciples had a failure of faith. Jesus had commissioned the disciples. He had sent them out and he had given them authority. He had given them power to heal the sick, to cast out devils. And here they are having a crisis of faith. He says they could not heal him. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the boy was healed instantly. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, why could we not cast it out? Jesus explained, why didn't my faith work? Why couldn't I do the miracle? Why didn't I see it, Jesus? Why couldn't it work for me? He said to them, because of your little faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, one of the smallest seeds there is, You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So I've got a question for you today, and this is what we're going to try to answer. How much faith is enough? How much faith is enough? The disciples were walking with Jesus. The disciples are with him each and every day. And yet they still struggled with doubt. In this case, Jesus says there was a problem with the size, the littleness of their faith. So how much faith is enough? How do I know I have enough faith? How much faith do I need in order to be saved, in order to have God do miracles in my life, in order for God to answer my prayers? How much faith is enough? And as I was reading this story... I learned a few things, and I want to share them with you today that I think will help give us an answer to this question, how much faith is enough? The first thing that I learned when reading this, and it's really important to know, is that we should expect miracles. We should expect miracles. 
Let me tell you, many people will try to talk you out of it. Many people will tell you not to expect miracles because they haven't seen any. Because they prayed once and it didn't work or because their theology is whatever, they'll try to talk you out of God's word. They'll try to explain away the promises of God and they'll tell you you shouldn't expect any miracles. But if you get the Bible and you read the Gospels, you just read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you don't ask for everybody else's opinion, but you just read the book. Just read the Word of God. Just read the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. What would you come to expect? Would you expect a world with no miracles? When every page almost of the Gospels is Jesus doing amazing miracles, and not just Jesus, his disciples were doing miracles too. So if you read that each and every day, man, page after page after page of miracle after miracle, would you expect a world with no miracles? No. Years ago, I worked for a company, and uh, my company president at the time, he shouldn't have even known who I was. I was really young and really a nobody. But he was just a really good man, and he kind of identified. He, he knew that I was a Christian, and he was a really great uh, believer. I mean, just very devout. You could tell he just loved the Lord very much. And he would call me sometimes, and we would talk a little business, and then I could tell he really wanted to talk about God. You know, he just he, he, he had that hunger. He wanted to talk about Scripture and talk about the things of God. And he asked me one time, he said, Olin, he said, man, I, I believe God does miracles. Like, I, I, I believe that, but... Help me understand, like your church or what you believe, you believe like God, he always wants to heal people. And I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, how, where do you get that from? Where do you get the fact? Because sometimes God says no, right? He says, doesn't it? Sometimes God says yes, and sometimes God says no. Where do you get in the Bible that it's God's will to heal like all the time? And I said, that's a great question. I said, look, can I ask you a few questions? And he said, well, yeah. I said, well, do you believe that Jesus is, is the perfect embodiment of God? And he said, well, yeah, I believe that. I said, you believe he's, he's the son of God, that he was sent from the Father, and the Bible says that he was the fullness of the Godhead bodily. I mean, he showed us God. He said, yeah, I believe that. I said, do you believe he's our example of God, that he did everything in alignment with his Father, he did his Father's will, everything Jesus did was perfect all the time. Do you believe that? And he said, Absolutely, I believe that 100%. I said, then answer this question for me. How many times did people come to Jesus in the Gospels and say, Jesus, if it be thine will, will you heal me? How many times? And he said, oh man, hundreds, I saw a lot. It's all through the Bible. And I said, all right, last question. How many times did Jesus say no? How many times do you see a story in the Bible where people come to Jesus and say, Lord, if it be thine will, I know you're the son of God. I know you have the power. If it be your will, would you heal me? Would you heal my son? Jesus every time would say, your faith has made you whole. Rise up and walk. Pick up your bed and go. Because every time he was doing the will of his father. Just because you don't get the exact answer to something right away, it doesn't mean God's saying no. Whole denominations have been built to explain away why one person's faith didn't work one time. We build these theologies because one time I prayed for Aunt Sally and Aunt Sally died. So God must be out of the healing business. 
There are reasons why sometimes things don't happen. And guess what? We don't always know. We don't always understand or see perfectly in the spiritual realm of why every person's healed or every person's not healed. But we do know what the Word of God says. We do know that it's God's will to heal. And we do know the promises that God's put in His Word. And so it's not wrong for us to expect a miracle. Did Jesus rebuke his disciples in this story for expecting to see a miracle? No. He got on them a little bit. He said, basically, how long do I have to put up with you guys? Because of the littleness of their faith. But he didn't say, who do you think you are thinking you can heal somebody? Who do you think you are, disciples? That's my job. You, You can't go praying for people. Did he do that? No. Because it's good to expect to see a miracle. It's not bad. Don't let people talk you out of expectancy to see God's word actually work in your life. Don't let people talk you out of the will of God. Never explain away God's word and his promises. Never explain it away. What's the first thing the disciples did here when their faith didn't produce what they thought? They asked Jesus, why? Why didn't it work, Jesus? Why didn't it work for me? They needed to understand. They needed the reason behind it. We all do sometimes. We all want to understand, right? We want a magic formula. I put in this, I say this word, I do, you know, in Jesus' name, amen, and it works every single time. We want it to be magic. We want to control it. We want to have our hands on it. We want it to work the way we want it to work every single time. We want life to fit in our nice, neat little box, and it doesn't. But guess what? Who cares? Just because something doesn't go the way you expect at one time doesn't mean you explain away the Word of God. It doesn't mean that. There are reasons sometimes, but we don't have that knowledge. So we have to accept God's Word, and we have to expect it to work. We have to expect to see miracles. Step one of operating in the miraculous is expecting to see the miraculous. You have to have an expectancy to see God's word work in your life. And so as we begin to develop that and we accept God's word, we say, yes, God, I believe your word. It doesn't matter what my circumstances say. It doesn't matter what Bob over here, Aunt Sally died. I love Bob, but you know what? Bob is not God and Bob's opinion or experience is not going to be higher than God's word in my life. Doesn't matter what Bob says. I'm going to settle my life on the Word of God. So I'm going to accept God's Word, and I'm going to expect to see it work. But the second thing is after we do that, after we get to that point where we expect to see God's work, we've got to understand something. Faith is not afraid to fail. Faith is not afraid to fail. Faith doesn't give up. The disciples' failure of faith was not the end of the story. Wait a minute. Uh, hold on. I might be wrong there. Does the Bible end in Matthew? Is it chapter 17? Was that the last? There's more chapters. There is? There's more chapters after chapter 17. Are the disciples in any of those chapters? Oh. So the story didn't end with their one failure of faith. You know what? All of us are going to have failures of faith. All of us are going to experience doubt. But guess what? The disciples' story didn't end there. They went on to become mighty men and women of God. They went on to become the apostles that built the church. 
These same men that you see here now coming to Jesus and Jesus going, how long do I have to put up with you knuckleheads? You see me walking on the water. You still don't believe. But guess what? It didn't end. They kept going. They kept fighting. They kept growing their faith. And those same guys went on to see miracles happen. So just because they had a failure of faith, it doesn't mean that they gave up. It doesn't mean they quit. And it doesn't mean you should be afraid to try. You know why we're afraid to try? Because if I believe God for something big, if I believe God for something audacious, if I get out here and I let you know that I'm believing God for something God-sized and it doesn't work, I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm, I'm afraid to be like the disciples in this story, right? I don't want to be embarrassed in front of everybody. I, I don't want to look like a fool when it doesn't work out. And so sometimes we pull back a little bit, but i got a question to ask you today. Would you rather be someone who believes God for the impossible and occasionally falls short? Or would you rather be someone who settles for the status quo? Would you rather be somebody who dares to believe God and takes a chance? Or would you rather be somebody that says, you know what, I guess I'm just always going to be sick. I guess I'm always going to be broke. I guess my family's always going to be lost. I guess my kids are always going to be hooked on drugs. I guess nothing in my life's ever going to change. Do you want to settle for that? Or do you want to dare to believe? I would rather be embarrassed when I don't hit it out of the park every time or when my faith isn't perfect or I don't understand something perfect or whatever. But I'd rather, I'd rather die on the hill trying to take the hill than be the coward running the other way. We've got to dare to believe God for big things. I, I heard a story once, and I don't know if it's true, but it doesn't really matter. It makes my point well. So that's preaching 101. It doesn't matter if the story's true as long as it's good. But I, I, heard this, I heard this minister say this story one time. It could be true. I don't know. But he said that uh, a businessman had come to, to you know, hear him speak or whatever. And the businessman is very, very wealthy. And he came to this minister and he said, hey, man, I love your ministry. I love what you're doing. I want to bless you. I want to sow into what you're doing. And he said, man, thank you. That's so great. Thank you so much. And he said, well, I got a check for you. And he oh, wow, thank you so much. He pulled the check out, handed it to him, and he, the, the minister got the check, and he looked at it, and he, man, thank you. Well, it, it's signed, but you didn't fill in an amount. You left it blank. And the businessman said, yeah, I know. Fill in whatever you need. And the minister was like, whoa, uh, okay. I got to pray about this one. <laughs> I, you don't want to go too high, but you don't want to go too low either. <laughs> I don't want to leave all the money on the table, right? So he's, he's praying about it and thinking about it. And he, he says, man, I want to stretch my faith here. So he, he filled in a number and he said, man, I put a lot of zeros on that thing. He said, it was making me nervous. He said, I took it back to the businessman and he said, I showed it to him. And he said, is that okay? And the businessman's response, I'll never forget. He said, he looked at it and he went, if that's all you need. I don't want God to answer my prayers with... Okay, if that's all you need. Are you praying prayers that God is looking down and saying, if that's all you need? We need to be stretching our faith and using it for God-sized things. Not little things. Man, I don't want God responding to me like that. We don't need to be afraid to take some risks with our faith. You can't be afraid to take risks with your faith. Man, why are we afraid to do that? We don't want to be like the disciples 
with the crowd. And remember I told you about the crowd. So this father comes back, the disciples are there, and then in front of everybody, what did the man say? In front of everybody, he called the disciples out and said, hey, their faith didn't work. They were embarrassed in front of everyone. Here they are. We are the 12. We are the inner circle, right, of Jesus himself. We're the disciples, man. But their faith didn't work, and he called them out in front of everybody, in front of the crowd. He said, they couldn't do it. They couldn't heal my son. And I think, you know what, sometimes we're more afraid of being embarrassed in front of the crowd than we are of the father's son not getting healed. I remember years ago, I was in a, a grocery store. We were up visiting some family. And I was walking down the aisle of the grocery store. And as I walked past this aisle, something caught my attention. There was a man. And I turned and I heard the Lord speak to me as clear. I mean, it's just like you ever have like something in your heart. It was like I just knew that I knew that I knew. I felt the Lord just say, go pray for him and I'm going to heal him. He had something wrong with his shoulder, and you could see like the bandages and something, and there was something really wrong with his shoulder. And God like just spoke that to my heart. Go pray for him, and I'll heal him. And so I was like, all right, Lord, and I started walking, you know, down the aisle. And as I began to walk, these thoughts began to come in my head. And as I was walking towards the man, I thought, well, okay, but what am I going to say? And what if he doesn't believe in God? And what if he's had a bad experience at church, and he thinks I'm another one of those people? And what if he gets mad and yells at me? And what if he doesn't, but then I begin to pray? And what if a big crowd gathers around? And then what if a big crowd gathers around and I pray and then nothing happens? And then what if nothing happens? And, I, and what if, and what if, and what if? And I turned around and I went to the counter. I checked out and I left. And I can tell you this, 10,000 times 10,000, I would much, much rather be one of the disciples in this story, trying to use my faith for something big and coming up a little bit short than feeling like I felt that day when God told me to pray for that man and I'll heal him. Now, I believe because God's a good God, I believe God found somebody else. But I missed out on that blessing. I didn't get to be used by God because I was afraid to use my faith. Now, there's been many times since and thank God, man, God's a good God, and he gives you retest after retest after retest after retest. And so God's given me many other opportunities to use my faith, and I am happy to say there's been many times where I have stepped out, and I've prayed, and I've seen God move. But you know what? There are still times where I fall short. There's still times where I get intimidated. There's still times when I know God has spoken to me to lay hands on someone or to pray with someone or to share my faith with someone, and I pull back. But faith is never afraid to fail. When we operate in faith, we take that leap. We get out there and we take the jump. And you know what? So what I failed, so what you failed, you're going to fail again and so will I. But I'm not going to quit trying. I'm going to keep putting a demand on my faith because that's the only way it's ever going to grow. The third and final thing that I learned from this, this story and this answers the original question, how much faith is enough? Right? That's where we started out today. How do I know I've got enough faith? How do I know I have enough faith to believe God for salvation, to believe God to answer my prayers, to believe God? How do I know I've got enough faith? And what this story taught me was you don't need more faith. You have all the faith you need. 
We've all experienced times of doubt in our life. And I've heard people say this. You have to. I need more faith. Maybe I just don't have enough faith. But here's the truth. God has given you a measure of faith. I'm going to show you that in a scripture, but I want you to write something down. And if you don't get anything else out of what I'm telling you today, I want you to remember this. The miracles are not for other people. Miracles are not for other people. They're for you. Sometimes we believe this lie that, well, the pastor can believe for that, or they can believe for that, or she can believe for that, but not me. I don't have faith like that. I can't pray like that. I'll never see miracles like that, and that is a lie. The miracles are not for other people. They're for you. And it says right here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. God has given you a measure of faith. If God has given us a measure of faith, that means I have some level of faith inside me. There is some degree of faith inside of me. And when we look back at our passage today, the story about the disciples, it said in verse 20, he said to them, because of your little faith. He didn't say because you don't have any faith. He didn't say you need more faith. He said because of the littleness or the smallness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, very small, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. The problem is not that you don't have faith. The problem is that your faith is weak and undeveloped. How do you develop, develop physical strength? Do you, do you go to GNC and buy more muscles? No, right? We're all born with all the muscles we're ever going to have. You have muscles, I have muscles. We all have muscles. The only difference between somebody who is... Uh, you know, like small muscles, weak, small, whatever, and somebody like a big bodybuilder, some guy with these big bulging muscles out, is what? That guy's developed the muscles that he has. He doesn't have any muscles that the other guy doesn't have. He's just developed them. And so we have to learn how to develop our faith muscles. Man, when you want to develop muscles, I've, I've read a little bit about this. Um, I wouldn't say I'm an expert because you have to, like, have experience, but... I can read about it. The rest of y'all will get that later. But, but if you want to develop your muscles, if you want to get stronger physically, this is what you have to do. You have to go and you have to lift something that's heavy. You have to lift something that puts a strain on your muscles. Because here's the thing. I use my muscles each and every day, and so do you. When you get up out of bed and walk into your kitchen in the morning and get your cup of coffee, guess what? You're using your muscles. You're using your muscles. But if I'm using my muscles all day, every day, why don't I look like Pastor Troy? <laughs> because I never put a strain. I never put a pull on my muscles to stretch and to tear my muscles. It's the same thing with our faith. Sometimes we think we're using our faith, but we're using it in such small doses, we never strain it. We never put a demand on it. We're afraid to put our faith to the test. And so what do we do? Well, I, I mean, I, I come to church. Slow clap for you. I mean, congratulations. 
you wake up and drive in a car to an air-conditioned building where everyone loves you and you listen to amazing music. That's got to be tough for you. I'm sorry. I mean, we think things are faith that, like, aren't that difficult, right? Well, you know, I do this, I do that, I read my Bible every morning. And all those things are good. It takes faith to do all those things, but are we using our faith enough? Are you putting a strain, are you putting a demand on your faith enough that you're tearing it, that you're pulling it, that you're putting a demand on it? Because when you begin to develop, develop physically, there's three things you have to do. You have to pull and expand the muscles. You have to put a demand. You get a little sore, right? And then what do you do? You got to go back and you got to eat the right food. You got to eat the right nutrition if you want your muscles to come back. The problem with Christians is all we do is eat. We come to church and we eat on the Word of God. Man, man, the Word's good. Man, that was a good message today. Let me tell you, if all you do is eat all the time, you never go to the gym, you get looking like me. You don't want that. And so you have to exercise. Why do fit people look all buff and all fit? Because they're doing all of it. They're going and they're exercising. They're putting that demand. They're eating the right nutrition. And here's the important part. After you've strained those muscles, after you've lifted something heavy, then after you've eaten the right nutrition, what's the key ingredient? You have to rest. After you've believed God for something big, after you've put a strain on your faith, you got to get in the Word and keep replenishing, feeding on the Word of God, and then you have to rest. You have to just say, God, I trust you with the result. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to let anyone talk me out of it. I'm going to rest in the goodness of my God. And here's the good news. When you begin to tear and stretch your faith, are you going to fail sometimes? Are you going to fall short sometimes? Absolutely. You will. I'd do it. We'll all do it. The disciples did it. Jesus didn't kick them to the curb, did he? No, he kept developing them. He's going to keep loving you. But when you begin to put a demand on your faith, when you begin to stretch and tear your faith, your faith is going to develop. Your faith's going to get stronger. When you're sleeping at night, when you're resting in God, that's when those muscles are repairing. Your faith's going to get stronger when you don't even know it. And you're going to slip up and see God do miracles in your life. When your faith gets stronger, man, you're going to begin to see the impossible. But you've got to dare to believe. You've got to put a demand on your faith. It says in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4, it says, Count it all joy. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You can get to spiritual maturity. Your muscles can get mature. Your muscles can get strong. Why? Because I've tested my faith. And when God sends tests, or when I'm just up against a demonic test, just something that's evil, that's wrong, when people are attacking me, when whatever it is, man, I begin to use my faith and I've grown strong and mature. And that is when we can see the miraculous. That's when we'll begin to see the impossible in our life. The last and final thing that I learned from that story is I think we only get one part of it. You need to know today that you have all the faith you'll ever need. Jesus says the reason the disciples didn't see the miracle was because of the smallness of their faith. But then he tells them, you only need a small faith, like a, like a mustard seed faith, right? It's kind of like he's saying small faith and small faith. But here's the thing we always miss. A mustard seed is alive. 
And so it's okay if you have small faith now. It's okay if you start out with small faith, but seeds grow. And the reason God wants us to have mustard seed faith is because he wants you to know today, it doesn't matter how small your faith is right now, use it. Put a demand on it. Dare to believe. And you know what? Just like that mustard seed, your faith will begin to grow and develop. And what makes a seed grow? Pressure. Pressure. So God wants your faith to grow. God wants your faith to grow. He wants you to develop this faith. And he wants you to know today that you have all the faith you'll ever need. You have faith. You have enough faith. We just have to develop it. Would you stand to your feet this morning? I believe there might be a few people here today and maybe you're hearing this message and thinking, man, I want to have faith. But maybe you've never taken that first step to receive Jesus, to make him the Lord of your life, to, to put your initial faith and trust in him to be the Savior, the Lord of your life. So I'm going to ask everybody just for a moment, if you'd bow your head and close your eyes, I want to give an opportunity this morning. Maybe you have had some doubt in your life because your life didn't meet all your expectations. Sometimes people fail us. Sometimes we fail. Maybe you're thinking that this morning. Oh, you don't know what I failed. You don't know what I've done in my life. But here's the cool thing about this story. The best part of the story is when even the disciples failed, Jesus said this. He said, bring the boy to me. See, even when we fall short, he never does. Even when your faith isn't quite enough, his is. He's there to come alongside of you, and all you have to do is respond. He said, bring the boy to me. They brought the boy, and what happened? Instantly, he was healed. Today, there's people in this room, instantly you can be healed. Jesus, that same Jesus is here today, and he's saying, Bring the boy to me. He's saying, come to me. So I want to ask you today, if that's you, and you say, I've never received Jesus as my Lord. I've never, I've never started this life of faith. I've never, I've never taken that first step, but I believe I want to take that step. If that's you today, would you raise your hand right now? Amen, I see that hand. I see that hand give you another moment. If that's you, raise your hand up. I know one's looking around. Just, just be bold for a second. Raise your hand up. It's just an act of faith in God. Amen. We're going to pray together. So I'm going to ask everybody if you would repeat this prayer with me and we're going to pray with them that raised their hands this morning. So repeat this, this prayer. Say, Father God, I thank you that you came. You died. You rose again. And I will dare to believe. I will make you the Lord of my life. I surrender to you now. God, I don't want to live status quo. I want to see miracles. I want to walk with you. Help me with my unbelief. I know I have faith. I know I have faith. And I'm putting my faith in you. I'm not going to be afraid anymore. I'm going to dare to believe. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.